I left you on a cliffhanger yesterday. We were discussing and we concluded with the idea that you and I can be co-workers with God. I don't know of a better work environment or a better co-worker we could ask for, but how can you and I be co-workers? Let's find out here. We are in chapter number 12, entitled The Birthplace of Revival by E.M. Bounds. Here we go. What is the duty that we as co-workers with God are required to undertake? First of all, and most important of all, the point that I particularly desire to emphasize, we must give ourselves to prayer. As Dr. J. Wilbur Chapman has reminded us, revivals are born in prayer. When Wesley prayed, England was revived. When Knox prayed, Scotland was refreshed. When the Sunday school teachers of Tannybrook prayed, 11,000 young people were added to the church in a year. Whole nights of prayer has all, have always been succeeded by whole days of soul winning. Let's pause there for just a moment. Maybe the reason we don't give ourselves to prayer in the first place is not only because prayer is work, but also because we know what follows prayer. More work. It's the best work. It's the only work we really should be about, should really uh, enamor ourselves with. But it's work nonetheless. Let's continue. When D.L. Moody's church in Chicago lay in ashes due to a fire, he went over to England in 1872 not to preach, but to listen to others preach while his new church was being built. One Sunday morning, he was prevailed upon to preach in a London pulpit, but somehow the spiritual atmosphere was lacking. He confessed afterwards that he had never had such a hard time preaching in his life. Everything was perfectly dead, and as he vainly tried to preach, he said to himself, What a fool I was to consent to preach. I came here to listen, and here I am preaching. Then the awful thought came to him that he had to preach again that night, and only the fact that he had given the promise to do so kept him faithful to the engagement. But when Mr. Moody entered the pulpit at night and faced the crowded congregation, he was conscious of a new atmosphere. The powers of an unseen world seemed to have fallen upon the audience, and as he drew near to the close of his sermon, he became emboldened to give out a staunch invitation, and as he concluded, he said, If there is a man or a woman here who will tonight accept Jesus Christ, please stand up at once. About 500 people rose to their feet. Thinking there must have been some mistake, he asked the people to be seated. And then, in order that there might be no misunderstanding, he repeated the invitation, couching it in even more definite and difficult terms. Again, the same number arose. Still thinking that something must be wrong, Mr. Moody, for the second time, asked the standing men and women to be seated, and then he invited all who really meant to accept Christ to pass into the vestry, or kind of a foyer area. Fully 500 people did as he requested, and that was the beginning of a revival in that church and neighborhood, which brought Mr. Moody back from Dublin a few days later that he might assist the wonderful work of God. The sequel, however, must be given, or my purpose in relating the incident will be defeated. When Mr. Moody preached at the morning service, there was a woman in the congregation who had an invalid sister. On her return home, she told the 
invalid that the preacher had been a Mr. Moody from Chicago, and on hearing this she turned pale. What? she said. Mr. Moody from Chicago? I read about him some time ago in an American paper, and I have been praying that God would send him to London and to our church. If I had known he was going to preach this morning, I would have eaten no breakfast. I would have spent the whole time in prayer. Now, now, sister, go, 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 out of the room, lock the door, send me no dinner, no matter who comes, don't let them see me. I'm going to spend the whole afternoon and evening in prayer. And so, while Mr. Moody stood in the pulpit that had been like an ice chamber in the morning, the bedridden saint was holding him up before God. And God, whoever delights to answer prayer, poured out his spirit in mighty power. Imagine that. I'll never be a deal, Moody. But I can be like that lady. But the question is, will I? Will you? Makes you think, doesn't it? What could we do if God really moved? What could, I should say, what could he do if we'd allow him to move? We'll talk again tomorrow. God bless.